0: So, my dream that I had this person. Yeah. Um, in the dream, he was in our house, and he, like, pulled out a gun. Oh. And, like, started shooting, and he shot my dad. And he, like, I don't know where I read this, where in my mind this came up with this, but, like, it was, like, he got shot, like, in his chest somewhere mm-hmm. and he fell down like face first down in the hallway and um I didn't flip him over because like to stop the blood from flim- from coming out so that's why he died in my dream because I didn't nobody flipped him over so I flipped him it happened again and I flipped him over and then it happened again, and, like, like, the dream, it just kept repeating itself until I finally was, like, yo, he's got a gun, (laughs) and everybody, like, ducked, and I pushed my dad out of the way, and then I, like, ran out of a window, and I was on the roof. You ran out of a window? Yeah, I ran out of a window, and I was on the roof, and he... He, like, came outside and he was- he became super tall and the roof became, like, smaller so he could, like, see me on the oh. roof and he tried to kill me and I don't- that's all I remember from it, but it just kept repeating over and over and over.
1: So you had a Sam Winchester Tuesday, huh?
0: Yeah, apparently, yeah. except I wasn't the one dying.
1: True, true. Well, Sam wasn't dying. Dean was dying.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. You're
1: having the same Winchester Tuesday.
0: Mm Rachel. And I'm Grace. Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Our podcast is Myths and Misfortunes.
0: We're a paranormal and true crime podcast.
1: And each week we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place.
0: And sometimes not that place. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) just outside
1: of that place.
0: Yeah. Have we ever explained the history? I don't think so. So people are probably really confused. This is episode nine.
1: Yeah. Not including the extras.
0: Yeah. I just thought about that.
1: Why don't we explain the history? So of it?
0: um the idea behind the podcast was that we would pick a place, go into some history about that place, explain like what it's like, what the people there have been through. Um Fun history facts. And then we'd go into the bad shit.
1: And or unbelievable shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah, um, pretty much. I just realized that we never said anything about it. I think we
1: did mention it once on the first episode. Because we were like, you know, oh, we're yeah. just going to tell you how this goes. We're going to talk about history. Mm-hmm. And then get into our, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we didn't mention it.
0: Hello. No, I think we just sort of did it. But you get fun historical facts, so you shouldn't complain. Yeah. Unless you don't like history, in which case just skip it.
1: Today we are doing San
0: Jose, California. I keep wanting to say Santa Cruz.
1: We are not doing Santa Cruz.
0: I know. (laughs)
1: So, my sources today for the history, mm-hmm. as always, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, Britannica.com,
0: and... This is in America. <laughs> Britannica. Okay.
1: Well, yes, it is.
0: I'm funny. You are very funny.
1: And dot com. what? Mueca. Okay. If I'm... I don't even... Let me check, make sure I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go with Mueka. Okay. So, San Jose is officially known as the City of San Jose. It is the economic, cultural, and political center of the Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. It is officially the largest city in Northern California, and in 2018, it had an estimated population of 1,030,119 people. <laughs> that's a lot. That's Yeah, that's a lot. And that's just one city. So San Jose is located in the center of Santa Clara Valley. And like I was telling Grace earlier, I keep trying to say Santa Clarita Valley.
0: We just want it to be somewhere other than San Jose, I guess. <laughs>
1: Apparently. So, and it covers roughly 179.97 square miles. Major global tech companies such as Cisco Systems, eBay, Adobe Systems, PayPal, Broadcom, Samsung, Acer, Hewlett-Packard Enterprises. Hey, I credential for them at work. (laughs) Of course you catch that. And Western Digital have their main headquarters located in San Jose within the Silicon Valley. Hmm. So the first people to have lived in what is now San Jose were the Tamian of the Muakama Alone Tribes. It's an indigenous tribe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Sorry. Uh, you you all literally just saw me try and figure out. They know. They know by they, now. Yeah. If they they're on
0: episode 9, they know we can't we can't pronounce things correctly.
1: Yes. Yes. California was then claimed by the Spanish Empire in 1542 when an explorer by the name of Joan Rodriguez Cabrillo chartered the California coast. Hmm. Until roughly 1769, California was mostly ignored and forgotten about by the government.
0: However, <laughs> California's fucking huge. How do you forget about it?
1: <laughs> Just conveniently, you know. So, however, that changed with the Portola Expedition. San Jose was officially founded on November 29th, 1777. As Pueblo de San Jose de Guadalupe. <laughs> hey, I tried. Uh, By Jose Joaquin
0: Moraga. Joking. Joaquin? Joaquin?
1: Wa- yes. Joaquin.
0: <laughs> and see, Joaquin. I knew that. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Oh. Hey, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix Joker. You got it. <sighs> rewind <laughs> <laughs> but, but backtrack oh.
1: by Jose Joaquin Moraga
0: Joaquin Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ Oh my no. god what did Joaquin we do?
1: Joaquin <laughs> <laughs> What is language. I learned phonically. Oh, okay. I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you say it wrong again, I'm going to die. <sighs> okay. Tell me again. What is it? Joaquin. Joaquin. <laughs> okay. Wa. <Mm-mm>. Guacamole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> okay, okay.
1: By Jose Joaquin Moraga. Did I say that right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and the official population at this time was only sixty-eight people. Oh. Yeah. So 1778, only sixty-eight people, and by twenty eighteen a million. <laughs> so By 1800, the growing population prompted the governor of California to split the province into two parts, Alta California and Baja California. Baja California? Baja. Baja. Actually, Baja.
0: I like Baja tacos.
1: I do like Baja tacos. They're fantastic. Alta California would eventually become a U.S. state, and Baja California would become two Mexican states. Hmm. Two Mexican states. It's just two. Okay. After Mexico's War of Independence was won against the Spanish crown in 1821, San Jose became part of the first Mexican empire. Then in 1824, it became part of the first Mexican republic. During this time, in order to promote the growth of settlements in the economy... The Mexican government began an initiative for both Mexican and foreign citizens alike. Between 1833 and 1845, 38 Rancho land grants were issued in the Santa Clara Valley. 15 of them were located in what is now San Jose. By 1846, the native Californians of the time had long expressed their concern about their growing Anglo-American communities. On April 25th, 1846, the Mexican-American War began due to territory disputes. Like all wars. (laughs) That's not true. Most wars. At least back then. On July 11th, 1846, Captain Thomas Fallon conquered San Jose for the Americans, officially ending the Mexican rule in Northern California. In 1848, California was formally ceded to the United States with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo as part of the Mexican cession. San Jose was briefly the state capital between 1849 and 1851. And after World War II, the economy of the city shifted from agriculture to industrial manufacturing. The contracting of the Food Machinery Corporation by the U.S. War Department, including included the building of 1,000 landing vehicles tracked. These were, these were awesome vehicles. Hmm.
0: They were... Are they like Elon Musk's new vehicle, though?
1: They were amphibious. Oh. They were amphibious war vehicles. Hmm. So, after World War II, the same corporation that made these vehicles continued as a defense contractor... Designing and manufacturing many different military platforms. So on April 3rd, 1979, San Jose was adopted with the diacritical mark above the E. The little
0: Mm swoosh. Yeah. (laughs) Swoosh. The swoosh. The Nike swoosh. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This was used as the official city name on the city seal official stationery, office titles, and department names. The city's official guidelines states that the name should be spelled with the accent the majority of the time. San Jose's economy is heavily focused on high technologies to this day. Computer hardware design and manufacturing, software production, and internet concerns are its major industries. Cool. And that is San Jose history. That was concise, short and sweet because I didn't want to go that into it. Yes.
0: Okay. (sighs) Okay. So my story today today is the Acid Doctor.
1: Acid Doctor.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. A.K.A. Geza de Kaplani.
1: Kaplani. Kaplani.
0: My story contains a brief mention of sexual assault that may be triggering for some listeners, so if that pertains to you, I advise that you fast-forward about 20 to 30 minutes to Rachel's story. It's super, super minor, but I still want to just say it. All right, so... My sources are alcatron.com, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and stor- historicalcrimedetective.com. De Caplani was born June 27th, 1926 in Hungary. Okay. About two months before my great-grandma. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was born in Hungary to a wealthy family, but his life doesn't seem like it went. it was all that great because he lost the sight in one of his eyes during a beating he received from his father as a child. Um, Didn't really hold him back much, I don't think. Uh, He went on to study medicine at the University of Siege and graduated with honors in 1951. He practiced as a cardiologist in Budapest, but clashed with officials in the Hungarian Revolution of 1956 and fled. He went on to Denmark and England, and he wrote a book titled Doctor in Revolt about his alleged experiences as a freedom fighter in Hungary. He made his way to Boston, intending to resume his practice as a cardiologist, only to discover that his degree wasn't recognized.
1: Oh, that's
0: nice. It's really common. Like, extremely common. I... I... You know, credential a lot of uh, providers, and I've seen so many that have education in other countries, like doctorates and PhDs and stuff, and then they come over here, they have to redo the whole thing. Ugh,
1: that's so stupid. Yeah,
0: it's bullshit. But, so he retrained as an anesthesiologist, interning at Milwaukee Hospital from 57 to 58. He then attended Harvard and taught anesthesiology at Yale. Eventually settled in San Jose, where he worked at San Jose Hospital. In June 1962, he met Heine Piller, or Pille, I don't know, the daughter of a world renowned fencer. She was a model, showgirl at Bimbo's 360 Club, and a beauty queen. Bimbo's, yes, you heard that correctly. (laughs) Okay. The two had a whirlwind romance before they married in August, just two months later, with Heine leaving her job to be with him. Just a few weeks later, however, a mutual friend informed Kaplani that his new wife was having an affair. Hmm. He was super chill, and they talked it out, and they lived happily ever after. JK. So, um... (laughs) Instead, on August 28, 1962, his insecurity and jealousy led him to go home, make her strip, tie her to their bed, turning on extremely loud Italian music to muffle the sounds coming from the apartment. He then disfigured her body by cutting her skin with a scalpel and dabbing a mixture of hydrochloric, sulfuric, and nitric acid in the wounds, causing third-degree burns over 60% of her body.
1: Oh.
0: Her genitals were almost completely obliterated.
1: Oh, jeez. Yes.
0: Yes, Yes, yeah, super rough. It was really hard to read. So, this part varies. Some sources say that he called the police, Others say that the neighbors called to complain about the loud music and wailing coming from the apartment. Either way, when police arrived, Caplani told them that she'd been unfaithful to him and that he didn't want to kill her but take away and destroy her beauty so no one else would ever want her. Mm, uh, Even the EMTs who came to handle her body had burned- had their hands burned when they tried to handle her body.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Poor girl.
0: It gets worse. Oh, no. Jeez. Um, Heine didn't die immediately. She lived for 33 more days in the hospital with her mother by her side the whole time in a room stripped of mirrors so she couldn't see her own reflection. Due to the damage inflicted upon her, even the nurses were barely able to look at her and her own mother prayed for her death because she could see how much pain she was in. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, skipping forth, forward to the trial, the trial commenced on January 9th, 1963. Initially, De Caplani was charged with attempted murder, but once his wife had died, he was charged with murder by torture. Mm. Yes. He pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Of course he did. Yeah. His lawyer, Edward de Viblis, Vilblis? claimed that he suffered from multiple personality disorder and that the crime was committed by his alter ego. Sure. Are you ready? Sure, sure. A dashing French journalist named Pierre de la (laughs) Roche. Crystal (laughs) (laughs) agrees. This is bullshit. Yeah, it was an awful, yeah. So, prosecutor, uh, is it Louis or Louise? Louis P. Bergna brought in Ruth Kruger, who was a former girlfriend of DiCaplani, to testified otherwise that she had never witnessed any sort of sign of multiple personality disorder. Uh, during the trial, doctors referred to his hospitalization for mental illness in 1946, his history of mental illness, and his suicide attempt while in jail awaiting trial. Uh, prosecution witness, Dr. Shore, observed that while suicidal, DiCaplani wasn't suffering from any gross mental disorder and that he was intelligent and alert. During the first day of the guilt phase trial, he was mute, immobile, and withdrawn. On the second day, though, the prosecution exhibited a post-mortem photo of his nude wife laying in the morgue, and he jumped to his feet, lunging in the photo, yelling, no, no, what did you do to her? And he had to be forcibly restrained. The day after, he changed his plea to guilty. Mm. He was declared legally insane, but medically... Or no, legally sane, but medically insane. Legally
1: sane, but medically insane.
0: So, basically, it was saying that at the time of the murder, he was sane. In, in his right mind, which... Yeah. 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 Um, but that medically he did have some, uh, mental illness. Yeah. He was convicted of first degree murder and the testimony of a psychiatrist who claimed that DeCaplanu had become a paranoid schizophrenic with latent homosexual tendencies because of abuse endured during his childhood prompted the jury to deliver a verdict of life in prison on March 1st, 1963. And he was formally sentenced on March 15th and sent to California Institution for Men. His license had been revoked by the California Board of Medical Examiners on March 9th, 1964, for violating sections 2378 and 2883 of the Business and Professions Code, which are moral turpitude and unprofessional conduct.
1: So, hold on. It took them a whole year to revoke his license? Or did I just hear wrong? Mhm. Took them a whole year. Mhm. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean sure. I don't know. Ugh. Whole year. Yeah. He appealed his conviction in California state and California state and federal courts, but the conviction was upheld in a 1976 opinion issued after Dick Aplani had already been granted parole and left the United States. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I w- it's...
1: <laughs> I wish everyone could, like, see my face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's so mad. Which is completely valid because... Okay. So, in 1975, Dick Paplani was granted parole, which should not have even been possible because when he got sentenced to life in prison, they basically promised the jury that he would never be let go. Like, mm-hmm. ever. But he had secretly had multiple Catholic priests and an archbishop who lobbied the parole board on his behalf, and a lot of people accused Raymond Procunier, know, chairman of the California State Parole Authority at the time, of removing the postmortem photos of Heine from DiCaplani's file prior to the review of his case by the parole board.
1: Okay.
0: So, DeCaplani was out of the country before either the public or the prosecutors on his case even, know he'd been, even knew he'd been paroled.
1: Oh, my God, that...
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That Raymond Procunier, the chairman, he resigned a year later due to personal reasons.
1: I'm sure it was totally...
0: Yeah. So, when faced with backlash, the state parole board defended their actions by saying that a missionary hospital in Taiwan needed a cardiologist with de skills. Which you could have found somebody, you could have found anybody else.
1: Well, also, he had his medical, uh... License revoked. revoked. Exactly.
0: Which makes this so confusing, because his license was revoked, he, like, was in prison. He could have gone... anywhere, but the the archbishop and the priest basically lobbied on his behalf, and he said that he would dedicate his life to helping the poor and helpless. Like, his parole was contingent on him serving at that missionary hospital. And he did for a while
1: how long's a while
0: he was there for 4 years he even remarried mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but eventually he grew tired of the constant parole checks and he left taiwan in late 1979 and basically disappeared That's wonderful. When it was discovered that he was missing, a warrant was issued for his arrest and his name was given to Interpol. And he briefly resurfaced in Munich, Germany in December of 1980 when he was fired from his position at a hospital after a German women's magazine published an article of infamous crimes and his case was listed among them.
1: Oh, good. Oh, good. That's... He also
0: worked at the U.S. Army Health Clinic in Bavaria in 1893 before dropping off the map, and his whereabouts remained a mystery for 20 years. Yeah. So. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Has he ever been a found?
0: In 2002, oh, reporters from the San Jose Mercury News tracked down Kaplani in a small town in Germany that I could not pronounce, where he lived with the wife that he had married in Taiwan. When interviewed, he said that he had suffered enough for his crime. No, he didn't. Right. Like, he he, he literally was sentenced to life in prison. He did not suffer enough. Mm-hmm. He said, I've done one mistake in my life. I paid enough for it. No. Right. No. Just... Right. Like, you literally skipped out. I don't... He begged the reporter not to publish the article, saying that his life would be ruined and that he was insane when he committed the murder. During the interview, he insisted on being called "Doctor Doctor Giza de Kaplani" because he had both medical and philosophical doctor degrees.
1: Doctor Doctor.
0: Yeah, he insisted on being referred to as that. Uh, as Doctor Doctor.
1: Yeah. Yes. He, he does have mental health issues because he wants to be called Dr. Doctor.
0: I... Yeah. That, um... Hmm. I just... That's such narcissism. hmm I can't even imagine, like, if... Even if... It, like, if I had accidentally killed someone or if I felt bad about killing someone. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, don't tell anybody. About- also, call me Dr. Doctor because, you know, I, hmm. The investigation also indicated that California officials were made aware of his whereabouts several times and even contacted him once to warn him about an anonymous threat to his life, which was required for them to do by law, hmm. but they never took any steps to extradite him. And two years before he was tracked down in, in this interview, he became a naturalized citizen of Germany, and it's now impossible for him to be extradited for his crimes. Hmm. It's not clear if he's still alive, but if he is, he'd be 93 today and still a free man. And that is the story of the acid doctor. Saw this originally, I was like, I'm not sure I want to do this. And then I read more and more into it, and I was like, this guy's really free. Like... Mm. That yeah he, he just and this case um really prompted them to like be more in depth with the um like parole violations and like keeping up with people and make sure make sure they don't fucking disappear yeah basically well yeah and I just mm. so anyway that's my story <laughs> and it's very upsetting and not good at all very um. very upsetting. Okay, well... I am glad that I found that one, though, because the other one that I was going to do, I really didn't have a lot of information on. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it was about a sex worker who basically injected her um, client with heroin and then left him to die, and how she was connected to another case where she might have done the same thing. Wow. But... Well, that
1: would have been an interesting. Trip. It
0: would have, and I was get, I was thinking about doing it, but the more that I read about it, there just wasn't enough. Hmm. So.
1: Well, it can just be a little side story for later. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Your so, turn.
1: My turn. Yes. My story this week is about the Winchester Mansion.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. I was about to ask what you were gonna do. Okay. <laughs> well, I really don't. Remember
1: how I first heard about the Winchester Mansion? Um, but I do know that my initial fascination with it was do mainly do its name?
0: mm mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: Winchester. So, you know, supernatural. Yeah. So, be prepared for a whirlwind of a story here. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, I know this one's like a big one.
1: And, yeah, a long one. So... Have thirteen sources VanityFair.com AllThat'sInteresting.com CNN.com all that's TheTruthAboutTheWinchesterHouse.com dot <laughs> Ripley's.com Biography.com WinchesterMysteryHouse.com com American the truth about the the truth about Okay. FBRT.org.uk. Jeez. And patch.com.
0: That's a lot. That's
1: what I said. 13 sources. Hold on, my ear itches.
0: <laughs> like a dog.
1: <laughs> it's right behind my ear.
0: That's very accurate. You're like a golden retriever.
1: Just a luxurious blonde mane.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm a cat.
1: <laughs> you are definitely a cat. <laughs> I'm one of those
0: prissy fat cats.
1: <laughs> that is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, what's his name? Is it King Louis? From Princess King... Diaries?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Was it King Louis or Prince Louis?
0: Maybe it was Prince Louis.
1: I think it might have been. See, now I have to watch Princess Diaries. Hmm
0: it's on Disney plus
1: I have it on DVD <laughs>
0: <laughs> who even uses DVDs anymore Rachel
1: I do and CDs because
0: and I'm a VHS.
1: <laughs> no I don't use VHS. my VHS oh. player doesn't work oh. okay so first I want to talk a little bit of it a little bit about the woman herself who is the figure behind this fun house. Sarah Winchester was born Sarah Lockwood Pardee.
0: Lockwood (laughs) Pardee?
1: Yeah, Lockwood Pardee. Parley. Pardee.
0: Pardee, okay. (laughs) I gotta read your lips, okay.
1: P-A-R-D-E-E. Okay. In New Haven, Connecticut in about 1839. I couldn't find an actual birth date. Oh. Just the year.
0: You couldn't find, like, a death certificate.
1: I couldn't, no. Oh. She was born to upper-middle-class parents, Leonard and Sarah W. Party. I love this. She named her daughter
0: after herself. Mm -hmm. Due to her
1: upper-middle-class upbringing,
0: she... That's a boss-ass bitch. Mm -hmm. Name your own kid after yourself.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, She and her six siblings were all well-educated individuals. Six? Six. You know, my mom is one of seven, right? Jesus. Yes. Yeah. You
0: didn't know that? No. I thought you knew that.
1: We've been friends oh. for 15 years and you didn't know no, that. I,
0: never, no. <laughs> I can't imagine having more than two.
1: Yeah. Well, that's also how we were raised, though.
0: Two is too many.
1: No, because if you just got one, they get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a call out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut it. Yeah. Uh, Sarah herself knew four languages just by the time she was twelve. Fuck
0: you, dude. Oh,
1: right, I wish.
0: So we can barely speak English.
1: Yeah, as we're stumbling over her words today, and
0: yet we have chosen to speak.
1: <laughs> yes. So for some reason, one of my sources decided to mention that Yale University is located in New Haven. It is. And that it was the prime location for progressive freemasonic and rosicrucian thinking.
0: So, you remember that code that I used to write with all the time? Mm-hmm. That's a Masonic code. <laughs> Fun you should mention
1: that. Oh, okay. I did go down just a little bit of a black hole trying to figure out what the Rosicrucian order was. Because hmm. I hadn't. Obviously, you've heard of free about Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Never heard about Rosicrucians. Essentially, they're the Freemasons without the religious aspects. Oh. Their symbol is the Rose Cross. And the cross symbolically represents the human body. Oh. while the rose represents the individual's unfolding consciousness.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So, you know, real mystical freethinkers were were in uh, New Haven, Connecticut in the 1840s. So, it also brought up the fact that several of her cousins were Freemasons. Mm. So, yeah, and as a little side note for the little black hole I went to went into conspiracy theories were a thing back in the 1800s sweet yeah I swear just this one site. just (sighs) the works of Francis Bacon were also (laughs) heavily mentioned so Francis Bacon was an English philosopher essayist scientist and statesman who is credited with the development of the scientific method.
0: <laughs> sorry, do you remember that post where they heard that quote by Francis Bacon? Mm-hmm. And they just kept just saying, France is bacon. Like, they thought that's what France it's Francis bacon. bacon. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, that's deep, bro. And then they'd be like, France is bacon? How <laughs> the fuck is that deep? Continue, sorry. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So, there, there's this weird theory called the Baconian Theory, or, or, the, or the Baconian Doctrine, that suggests that Sir Francis Bacon wrote the plays that are attributed to William Shakespeare. Hmm. So, he was also extremely into ciphers and hidden messages, and this does come up just a little bit later. So, Sarah was apparently introduced to this Baconian doctrine by the sister of her church's reverend. I did not write down her name, but she apparently wrote a book about it and all this fun stuff. So, being introduced to this doctrine along with her love of the Shakespearean works made Sarah really drawn to this theory about Francis Bacon, so the the Baconian Masonic encryption techniques hmm. was highly appealing to Sarah and influenced her worldviews a lot. This, you know, jumping ahead just a little bit, this actually shows up a lot in the house, in the house, yeah, And the way that she, that it was built. At a very young age. Sarah was admitted into Yale's only female scholastic institution that was known as the Young Ladies Collegiate Institute. Collegiate. Is it collegiate? Yeah. Young Ladies Collegiate Institute. (laughs) Collegiate. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (sighs) Okay. But the point is... Yeah. Thank you. The point is she was a very intelligent woman. So else was to, to attend this college? Sarah's future's husband's sister. Oh. Yeah. So, I'm, sh- I'm sure this isn't the reason that Sarah met her husband, but it definitely helped. They also attended, you know, the same church. Yeah. So, Sarah and William Winchester got married on September 30th, 1862. Sarah's husband, William Wirt Winchester... I got a kick out of the fact that his initials were (laughs) WWW. He was the only son of Oliver Winchester, who was the owner and founder of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Mm Mm-hmm. This company was huge, and it was one of the first companies to mass-produce firearms with the ability to fire multiple rounds without reloading. It became very popular among American settlers in 1873, and was widely used during the American-Indian War. It was the gun that won the West. (laughs) So, Sarah and William were happily married for four years, when Sarah gave birth to her only daughter... Annie Pardee Winchester. Oh,
0: that's so cute. She,
1: yeah. She was born on July 12th, 1866. However, the Winchester's happy little family was very short lived, and every parent's worst nightmare became their life. Little Annie was diagnosed with. I should have looked up how to pronounce this. Marismus? What? It. It's a severe form of malnutrition uh, due to the body's inability to metabolize proteins.
0: Marasmus.
1: Marasmus. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So Annie died only forty days later, and while it was not a shock to her parents, it did hit them hard. Mm-hmm. Sarah never really recovered from her daughter's death, and William focused on his work. You know, just to distract himself. Although they remained married, Sarah was increasingly distressed about the wealth gained from her husband's company. Hmm. In her mind, the Winchester family business made a profit from death. Oh, and that wasn't something that she could easily cope with. In 1880, William became the, the successor to the Winchester repeating arms company after the death of his father. However, This was short-lived. William died of tuberculosis not even a year later, on March 7th, 1881. Dang. Sarah was left everything. She was now in possession of $20 million. Damn, back then? Back then. Which is the equivalent of about $504 million today. That's a lot. As well as a 50% stake in the company. Since she was caused so much distress by how this money was accumulated, you would think that she would have instantly sold her portion. But no, she never took up her position with a company. However, her stake in it left her with a daily income of $1,000. Damn.
0: Yes, please.
1: Which is $25,000 today. (gasps) Yes, please. I wish I made this much m- money. You know, not in the circumstances that, you know, she got well, it. Yeah. But I wish. So, Sarah, with the loss of her daughter and now husband, was beside herself. And what better way to get over a loss than traveling? Mm-hmm. Between 1881 and 1884, it is presumed that Sarah took a three year world tour before finally settling down in California. Uh, One other theory. It is said that Sarah, who was distraught over the loss of her husband and daughter, sought the advice of a famous Boston medium by the name of Adam Coons. During one particular seance with him, he told her, Your husband is here. He then provided a pretty accurate description of him, at least enough to convince Mrs. Winchester, I assume, and went on to tell her, He says for me to tell you that there is a curse on your family, which took the life of he and your child. It will soon take you too." That's so rude. Very rude. It is a curse that has resulted from the terrible weapon created by the Winchester family.
0: Man, he's dumb, rude. Like, dang.
1: Yeah. Thousands of persons... He did say persons. Thousands of persons have died because of it, and their spirit are now seeking vengeance.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Oh, that's right. Now I remember why she built the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was then instructed
1: to sell her house and property... In New Haven, Connecticut, and head towards the setting sun. Mm-hmm. She was told that she would be guided by her husband, and that as soon as she found her home in the West, she would recognize it. She was instructed that she was to build a home for herself in the spirits of those who died because of the Winchester repeating rifle. <clears throat> and she could never stop building or she would die. That's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. So, it wasn't long after the séance that Sarah sold her home, took her enormous fortune, and moved to the complete opposite side of the country.
0: That makes me so mad. Yeah, I,
1: I kind of wonder if this um, psychic had like ulterior like ulterior a motives,
0: right? Yeah,
1: like just his own secret vendetta. So, as the story is told. Sarah believed 100% that she was be, being guided by her dead husband. Mm-hmm. She didn't stop moving westward until she finally reached Santa Clara Valley in 1884, at which point she found a charming little six-bedroom unfinished farmhouse that was nestled on 162 rolling acres.
0: Yang! Yeah.
1: yeah, 162 acres. Let's go. I'd love it. So, Sarah purchased the home from its owner, Dr. Caldwell, and tossed away the remainder of his building plans. Nice. Yeah. With her huge fortune, she had her pick of local workers and craftsmen. They built, rebuilt, demolished, changed, completed construction from scratch. One section of the house after another. 22 carpenters were employed 24-7, Twenty four seven year round.
0: Geez.
1: You know, day and night working on building this house. I don't know how she got any sleep. It yeah.
0: So Did she, she actually live
1: in it? Mm-hmm. She did. She lived in it the entire time. The house grew to be seven Hello. Seven stories high. Damn. Freaking high ass house. However, due to lack of actual actual planning Mm. the house was built kind of haphazardly yes it is said that sarah winchester had a seance room that was built in order to perform seances nightly so these spirits who were haunting her could design the home then every morning she would bring these plans to the foreman so literally all the planning was done at night
0: by ghosts by ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna let these ghosts play in my house. It's, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah.
1: You know, ghost construction workers. Eh. Yeah. They were... I love this. There were three elevators, 47 fireplaces. Oh, my God.
0: That means uh, 40... Like, just... Does that include f- chimneys? No. Just fireplaces. It's the fireplaces. Okay. Just fireplaces. I was like, that'd look really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, think of how this house looks.
0: <laughs> that must look insane.
1: Okay, there are also numerous staircases that lead to nowhere. Yeah, a blind chimney that stops just short of the ceiling. What? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a useless fireplace. Yeah. Doors that open a walls, trapdoors, just middle of the floor, hallways that. Just end. Okay. And circle back around. Skylights in the floor that allow you to see the the floor below you. And doors that just straight up open to the outside. No deck. Nothing. Okay. So you walk through this door and plummet to your death. Cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. These oddities make up the character of the mystery part of the house for sure. Stair posts were installed upside down. Why?
0: Just per her instruction. It's she what the spirits wanted.
1: It's what, yeah, it's what the spirits wanted. And there are several bathrooms that feature glass doors. Ew.
0: I would
1: not like that. Sarah Winchester also had an affinity for the number 13. Yay. All of the windows contained 13 panes of glass. The walls all had 13 panels. The greenhouse had 13 cupolas. And all but one staircase had only 13 steps.
0: Dude. Dude. You had 13 sources. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) That's hilarious. I knew when you said 13 sources, I was like, wait, isn't there something about the number 13 in this? That you said that I was like, you've got 13 sources. I'm not
1: even going to lie. When I opened my story, I wrote that I only had 10 sources. I recounted them before we started. I was like, that's 13.
0: You can't count.
1: (laughs) Well, I added three more towards the end because I had more information. So... Despite some of the oddities with this house, it featured beautiful gold and silver chandeliers, beautiful flooring, stained glass windows that were created by Tiffany & Co. Ooh. One of the more rare features of its time, the house had indoor plumbing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to say, it like, indoor pool. I was like, oh, that's very, very.
1: Plumbing. No, it had... Indoor plumbing, uh, heated water, oh, as well as push-button gas lighting. Wow. Super fancy. So, like, a light switch, but for gas.
0: You could thank the spirits for that.
1: Yes. Thank the spirits for that. Oh, and forced air heating. Oh. She had heating in a house in... Well, that's how
0: she stayed there so long. It was comfortable. It was comfortable. It was confusing, but it's comfortable.
1: Exactly.
0: She would just sleep on the opposite side of the house, wherever there was construction.
1: Yes. So, in 1806, the great San Francisco earthquake hit. Much of the house that had been almost entirely completed was now in ruins. Ooh. The top three floors had collapsed into the garden, and the fireplace that was located in the daisy room collapsed. Hmm. Mrs. Winchester had actually been sleeping in that room and had become trapped oh. until some of the workers were able to free her. Oh, good. Sarah was convinced that this was a sign from the spirits that they were angry with her for almost completing the house. She had to keep going. In order to ensure that the house's construction would never be complete, Sarah decided that she would board up the front 30 rooms of the house. During the next several months, the workers began repairing the rooms that had been damaged during the quake and continued the expansion of the house. On September 4th, 1922, after a late night seance, Sarah went to bed but never woke up again. Oh. She died in her sleep at 83 years old, leaving the house and all of her possessions to her niece, Frances Marriott. Hmm. So, spirits got her. Probably. I do want to offer a part of history for this place that people tend to overlook, mainly due to the fact that everyone just wants everything I just said to be true. Mm-hmm. So while many agree that it was Mrs. Winchester's grief over the lives taken by the rifle that built her fortune, this can't really stand its ground with historians. Mm-hmm. One historian, Yannin Bohin, states that people back then didn't have a massive guilt complex over guns. Mm-hmm. They were useful tools in something that people needed for survival. Oh, yeah. So, Mrs. Winchester was also aware of how her growing building looked to outsiders. And in a letter from 1906, after the earthquake destroyed half her house, she even admitted herself that the house looked like a crazy person built it. Mm-hmm. While several of the features of the house might seem odd to us, they they just made sense to Sarah. Mm -hmm. The narrow staircases with stairs that were only two inches high were built to accommodate her as she was aging. She was only four foot ten and had crippling arthritis. Mm -hmm. So shorter stairs just made sense. Yeah. Yeah. They were easier for her to manage. The doors with windows to the bathroom that I mentioned before... They were mainly installed so that her caretakers could check on her if something was happening or taking too long. Touching back on some of those things I mentioned way earlier, Sarah was super intelligent. And some believe built the house as a giant puzzle of coded messages. For example, the repetition of the number 13 Thirteen is the most important prime number in the Fibonacci sequence. Ooh, fun. Knowing that she was a very intelligent woman of her time, she was seen as eccentric because she had the audacity to grieve openly and spend her fortune as she liked. Hmm. She was also... That's whole life. It's a great life. Except was, the grieving part. Well, yeah. 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 She was also unusually close to her staff. Mm. She spent a lot of time and money making sure that they lived in comfort. Well, that's good. Even treating them like they were a family. And to be honest... She was so lonely. Yeah, she was lonely. She didn't have her family anymore. So these, these people were her family. Yeah. In return, they gave her loyalty like no others and never ever spoke to journalists about her habits and motivations. Mm. Even on the day that she passed away, they left the property and never spoke a word about anything that happened in the house. Mm. So, fun fact. In 1924, Harry Houdini Mm -hmm. paid a visit to the mansion due to its reputation of being haunted. Yeah he noted that there was definitely something going on in there and dubbed the mansion the Winchester Mystery House in honor of Mrs. Winchester. Oh, Thus, a brand was built, and the Winchester Mystery House is now a popular tourist spot. So, I do have a few, you know, ghost stories. Cool. I've really, you know... It's so long already. There's a lot of information about the house. Everyone knows it's haunted. So I'm just gonna give a few of them. Okay. There are footsteps that are heard shuffling to and from Mrs. Winchester's bedroom. Hmm. There is the apparition of a person with black hair pushing a wheelbarrow across the grounds of the mansion. One current worker was on a ladder working in the Hall of Fires. The Hall of Fires.
0: (laughs) That's so great.
1: Well, it's named that because that's where... That's where the fireplaces are. Yeah. He felt a tap on his shoulder. Mm. Which is obviously weird when you're, you know, five to seven feet off the ground. But he turned around, didn't see anyone, decided to ignore it. I don't like So he got back to work and... Then he felt a hand pressing just right against his back. No. He was still alone in the room, so no. he booked it out of there. <laughs> I would
0: have too. I'd be like, uh yeah. He's bye. Gone. <laughs> No, hey me. Hey, it's me, ya boy. No. <laughs> yeah. So there's a theory that
1: these are, you know, workers that stayed and are still working on the house. He's just trying to support him. It's so sweet. I mentioned earlier how the earthquake in 1906, how trapped Mrs. Winchester in a room. Yeah. After the workers had freed her from that room, she then sealed it up, and it wasn't seen again until 2016. Oh. At which point it was then added to the tour Mm. at the Winchester Mystery House. And I lost my spot.
0: Why did they wait so long to open it up?
1: You gotta think. It's a big house.
0: That's fair. They do have to go through each one.
1: Most of the rooms aren't even accounted for. Like, it's estimated that there's 160 rooms in this house. God. And that's just an estimate. Yeah. Because they couldn't agree. Like, so many people just came in and were counting rooms, and they kept getting different numbers.
0: Yeah, because you get lost. You miss yeah. one. Some aren't it's, actually rooms. It's just random walls.
1: It, Yeah, it's yeah. a maze. And, you know, some of the rooms are closed off and all the fun stuff. But when it was finally open, it was added to the tour. And on one of these tours, a guide had gathered all of the tour growers into one of the rooms in order to explain the history. Mm-hmm. Then that guide heard a really loud sigh from the hallway, but when they went outside to bring that person back in, there wasn't anyone there. Ugh. But um, she did see a small ghostly figure go around a corner and then disappear. She did follow the figure and found that she could no longer see the apparition, it had all but vanished. No. But she did hear another loud sigh. There's a theory... (laughs) It's like, can you stop
0: following
1: me? Stop following me. Gosh. There... One of the theories is that this is Mrs. Winchester, Mm. who had been hiding in the daisy room Uh because it was the only one that was still closed off. Okay. There's also, you know, several surveillance videos and photos that show apparitions just wandering around the house. Okay. There's, you know... There's footsteps, there's noises, there's typical haunted house stuff. I mean, you can list out everything that's happening in this house, and it doesn't feel like a lot, because typical haunted house stuff. But everything that I was reading urged, you know, the readers to go and visit the house and see for themselves. To be honest, I really want to. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, no, if not for the paranormal influence and definitely because of the historical aspect of it.
0: I just want to see how weird it looks.
1: That too. It's just, it's, it's a fun house. Yeah. I mean, quite literally, just so fun. And that is my story.
0: Oh, that's everything?
1: That's everything. It, you know, towards the end there, I was like, okay, this is getting kind of (laughs) long. There's... I wanted to watch a couple of episodes of, like, Ghost Adventures, yeah. Ghost Brothers. I mean, there's a lot of shows regarding the Winchester House. I just ran out of time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been so, a rough week.
1: In, in all honesty, we might touch back on this later.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can do a lot. We can have, like, a recap episode or... Yeah. Where we go into stuff that we wanted to do more.
1: Yeah, and this this is definitely one of them, because there is so much, and I I left out so much, mm. and I could have used more than those thir- 13 sources.
0: Yeah, like how with the first episode, um, how I did the, uh...
1: Crystal Rogers? Yeah, Crystal
0: Rogers and the Bartstown murders. There was so much that I didn't put in.
1: Oh, yeah, so we need to do a recap episode. We can do, yeah, we
0: can do a recap, update, extra yeah. <laughs> Recap, info. update.
1: You do Crystal Rogers, I do the Winchester Mansion. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Alrighty, so that is it. Yes. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes or Twitter at Myths Misfortunes.
0: Or you can just search for us on Twitter using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes, we pop up.
1: You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com.
0: Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff.
1: All that fun
0: stuff. Only nice things, please.
1: Please. Alright, thanks so much, guys. Bye. Bye!